0: Well, good morning again. Take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 28. We continue a teaching series called Strongholds. What we've done over the last three weeks, actually two weeks, and now third week, and we'll finish it up next week, is talk about different strongholds that each one of us have, how to overcome those strongholds by studying the life of Jacob in the book of Genesis. And what we dealt with two weeks ago is simply this. Every person has a stronghold as it pertains to our personality. Would y'all agree on that? I mean, we all have personality flaws, we all have dispositions, and your disposition or personality flaw may be anxiety, it may be greed, it may be uh, comparison, it may be selfishness, but the thing is, because we are the way we are, we have strongholds in our lives, right? And we talked about how to overcome those through the, and what Jacob experienced. His name means tra- traitor or treacherous or trickster or liar, deceiver, opportunist, and how even from a young age, Jacob was labeled as a guy who was someone you couldn't trust. And what's interesting with him is that personal stronghold he dealt with was something he was able to overcome, and God gave him a new name. Then we dealt with last week the stronghold of our family. Whether your family's very dysfunctional or completely dysfunctional, the reality is we have things from our past, things from our families, that cause us to have some strongholds. And overcoming those is important for us in order to grow in our faith and experience freedom. The reality is Jacob grew up in a family that was jacked up. They had some things that they dealt with. They had some strongholds. He learned a lie. He learned a trick from them. And the thing is, he had to overcome that as well. Now, this morning, we're shifting gears a little bit. and We're going to deal with strongholds of our own making, the things that we do that cause us to have strongholds in our lives. Now, as you get to Genesis chapter 28, and we'll throw those up on the screen in just a few minutes, I'm going to kind of divert a little bit from what I originally was going to talk about at the beginning, because we have some celebration to do here at River Hills Church. I didn't get to do this in the first service for lack of time, but I get to do this this morning in our 11 o'clock service. In our student ministry last week, we had two kids come to Jesus. One has been thinking about it and praying about it for a long time and asked Christ to come into her life, and that's a huge celebration, and God's doing some neat things. Another kid showed up late for merge last week. He was 45 minutes late, but he told his mom, I want to go, and I want to tell my life group leader and our student minister, Justin, that I came to Jesus this week. His great-granddad led him to Christ. And he said, Mom, I don't want you to put it on social media yet that I know Christ. i got to tell all these people in my life. Isn't that cool? And so we have that, and he was agnostic and borderline atheist at that time. And so that's something we can celebrate. But another thing we celebrate, and yet as a prayer request, we have a young man in our church named Josh who's in the last stage of his leukemia. We want to pray for him and his wife, Ginger, and son, Caden, and ask God that they would bring mercy and grace in the coming days with them. His hospice has been called in, but this past week, holding his hand in the hospital, he came to Christ. And guys, I know that's something that we get depressed about and think about, but listen to me. These three people have transitioned literally from life to death spiritually and have broken the greatest stronghold in life. Isn't that cool? And so we celebrate what God has done. So can we just do this for a minute? Can we just, like, cheer? Is that okay? Can we clap for that? I mean, that's something God does, and so that is the stronghold that we all need to break through to begin with, and you can't break through it without Christ, and we're seeing this happen all the time, and God is doing something very special in our church right now, and I'm so thankful for that, Um, but this morning, we deal with the strongholds of our own making, not what you were born with, not where you were born, but what you do, because here's the reality. We'll throw this up on the screen. It's not the struggle that creates the stronghold but the actions. You follow that? It's not the fact that you're tempted. It's not the fact that you struggle with certain things, because we all do. And and believe me, those are strongholds of the mind. But strongholds of our own making are taking us from a place of, I struggle with this, but now I'm going to act on it. You follow that? And those are some really thick bars on our strongholds. Agreed? And so this morning we're going to wrestle through that. And I was trying to think of a way just to be transparent with you guys with some of the strongholds I have, and the first thing that popped on my mind is the hot sign at Krispy Kreme Donuts. I will be honest with you, that is a stronghold. Do any of you feel that? You know what I mean? You drive by Krispy Kreme and that hot sign has popped on, and you look at that, and it is a tractor beam of goodness drawing you into the place. You had originally said, I'm not going to go to Krispy Kreme today because I'm watching my weight, I'm on a South Beat diet, or I'm not eating anything like that, and therefore sugar is bad, all those things. But, man, you drive by there, and all of a sudden it's like, come eat me, come eat me, come. And it's just like you go into that place, and now they've got Krispy Kreme. They've done this in the last couple of years. Are y'all feeling this? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a glass wall, and you actually get to watch them make donuts, y'all. And they take that dough, and they roll it out, and they drop it in the fryer, and it's like, oh, praise the Lord, here it comes. And it comes out on a conveyor belt, and a Niagara Falls of sugary sweetness drips all over your donut. And it comes out, and it's hot, and and it's just like, this is wrong. And you're like Garfield Cat on the back of a windshield watching this happen. Y'all with me? I mean, and you're watching this thing come through there and on the conveyor belt and there's somebody in a really weird-looking hat and they got a stick, not tongs, not a fork, not a scoop or anything like that, a stick, because they don't want to mess this perfectly rounded glazed donut up. And forget about that assorted nonsense, because I don't believe in cream-filled, cherry-filled, frosted, or sprinkles. It's donut time at Krispy Kreme. Y'all with me? The glaze is there. They take the stick and they put it in that box. And originally you went in there it's like, you know what, I need a cup of coffee. And I'm going to get that cup of coffee, and I may have a hot donut with it, a hot donut. Now, what you're going to learn, and I believe this is biblical, when we get to heaven, the re, the, the, it will be filled with coffee and Krispy Kreme donuts. Y'all realize that, right? And so you get that cup of coffee, and you're like, I'll get a donut. And you're thinking you're very spiritual at that moment because you've rejected the idea of eating three dozen. You've got one. But then God speaks to you, and you're like, I need to be generous. I need to take this to the office or to my family. I tell you what, and I want to be a good steward. It's $1.50 for one donut, but for $6.50, I can get a dozen of these bad boys. That just seems like a better idea, don't you think? So you get a dozen donuts, and you're like, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to eat one. I'm going to take the rest of my office or to my family. And you get in the car, and that wafting smell of glazed goodness comes and hits your nose. You turn up the radio on some ACDC and decide to sit in that moment and eat every one of them, right? Y'all with me on that? And there's none left. And you leave going, that was good, but I feel guilty. That's a stronghold, right? Now, here's the deal. All of us deal with temptation, but when we act upon that temptation, the strongholds begin to be put in place. The red-hot sign of life, unfortunately and ultimately, leads us to a stronghold that we desperately want to get out of. And it's the stronghold of our own making. It's the stronghold of sin. And many of us, when we're thinking through our lives, Galatians chapter 6 says this, we'll put this on the screen, is that when we think about our lives, the Bible says, do not be deceived, cannot, God cannot be mocked. But notice that last part. A man reaps what he, what? sows. and many of us are sowing some really bad seed. Y'all with me? All of us are. We've done bad things, and therefore, because we've done those bad things, we're reaping some bad things. Agreed? That's called a stronghold, people. And no one on the planet, is absent from it. It's there. And all of us want to get away from it. We literally do so many bad things, we paint ourselves into the corner, just like this picture shows here. We start out trying to do good things, and we paint ourselves into a place where everything around us is destroyed, and we feel like we can't get away, and that's where we stay. And ultimately, we feel like death. Y'all with me on that? Y'all been there, right? You are there, I bet, for many of us in this room. So here's the question we want to get back to. What do you struggle with? And then what are you acting on? Strongholds are real. And when we look at the life of Jacob throughout Genesis chapter 24 to 32, we understand he had some serious strongholds. He did some serious sins. Think through this with me. First of all, he deceived his brother. When his brother was about to starve to death and was famished and was going to die, he looked at his brother and said, I tell you what, I will save your life, but you have to give me your birthright. I would call that sin, wouldn't you? Later on, his father was blind, and his father, Isaac, went to his twin brother, Esau, and said this, Esau, I want to I bless you, but I want you to go out into the wilderness, uh, kill some game, prepare it, and come to me, and I will eat it, and I will bless you. Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob's mother heard her husband say this, and she loved Jacob much more, and she simply went to Jacob and said, I want you to dress in your brother's garments, I will fix a meal and you will get the blessing. And together, Rebecca and Jacob deceived Isaac. I would call that sin, wouldn't you? And do you see that stronghold over and over again of deception and lying? Later on in Scripture, it says that Jacob deceived his or tricked his father-in-law Laban. And then later on, he does some really not cool things with his family by sending his wife and his children before him to, to and really in, a, in an act of favoritism as far as which children and which wives he loved the most. Over and over again... Jacob demonstrates this pattern of sin, and that is a stronghold. Now, I don't know what your stronghold is. I know what mine are. But I bet as you think about it this morning, you can come up with several, right? Could be something you're doing uh, to cope with something that isn't healthy. It could be a way of thinking. It could be a pattern in your life that you act on in the the wee hours of the night where you think nobody's going to see you. But all of us have these strongholds, And when we act on them, it becomes thicker and stronger, and we feel like we can't get away from them. Y'all with me on that? So what we're going to do this morning is simply this. How do we begin to work through these? How do we begin to see God bust down these doors of sin in our life, of these strongholds of our own making, and experience the freedom that God has for us? Now let's turn to Scripture here. Let's go to Genesis chapter 28. I want you to notice what happens here. Starting in verse, let's go to verse 10. Now, the context is this. Jacob has just deceived his father and betrayed his brother Esau. He's gotten gotten the blessing from his father. And when Esau finds out about it, he's like, when my dad dies, I'm going to kill you, Jacob. And so Jacob goes to his mom, and his mom says, you need to get out of here. Now, I want you to remember his family history. Jacob is the grandson of a guy named Abraham. Everybody's heard of him before, right? Abraham is the patriarch of the Jewish culture, the Jewish faith, the Jewish religion, the Jewish everything. God came to Abraham and simply said this, Abraham, from your seed and from your people, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to make you as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And number two, from your lineage, I'm going to bless all people. And that blessing is Jesus Christ, who says he comes to save all people, regardless of their heritage, their background, whether they're Jewish or Gentile. And so these two great promises and this great step of faith, Abraham goes to the promised land and settles his family, and they, him and his wife Sarah have Isaac, and Isaac and his wife Rebekah have Esau and Jacob. Now, Jacob sins against his family, and like his grandfather, Abraham goes on a journey, but instead of following God's plan and God's way and God's direction, he runs away from the Lord. Let us stop at this question here for a moment and simply think, how many times have we sinned and ran away from the Lord instead of dealing with it? Now, really dig deep into this. How many times have we messed up instead of running to God or continually going to the church, have allowed shame to infect our lives in such a way to where we don't get experience that mercy and that Christian fellowship? How many of y'all done that? You don't have to raise your hand. You know you have, right? I've done it. That's exactly what Jacob is doing in these moments. He's running away from God, but yet God comes to him in this moment of disobedience and this moment of voluntary exile. Get this. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Now get this, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. Now notice, I really want Let's leave that on the screen for a moment because that's got to be an uncomfortable night's sleep. Would you agree? I mean, I've 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 slept on some on the ground before. I've been camping, but I've never used a stone as a pillow. And I can't imagine how uncomfortable that must have been. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Jacob has left the wealth of his father. He's left the comfort that his father offers. He's left the protection that his father gives him. And he finds himself in the middle of the desert, sleeping on the ground in a cold night with a pillow, as a stone as a pillow. Is that not a stronghold? Is that not the consequences of wrongdoing and where we find ourselves? And Jacob, in those moments, has to be thinking, this stinks, all because I'm a liar, all because I acted out on my sin. Now, read a little further here. Go to verse 12. Get what happens. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending down on it. Now, here's the thing. In Old Testament, When God comes to speak to one of his people, many times he uses angels to authenticate that word. You follow that? And so many times when God spoke to Abraham, when God spoke to Gideon, when God spoke to other people in the Old Testament, angels would show up. And that's what's happening here. And so as Jacob is dreaming in those moments, he sees a ladder going up to heaven and angels going up and down that ladder. Now go to verse 13. Get this. Notice what happens. There above it stood the Lord. Now, stop here. Jacob is dreaming. He's having this big epiphany. And as he has this dream, angels are going up and down his ladder, and he sees God. He's got to think, I'm a dead man, right? He had just betrayed God's chosen one, Isaac. And he's running away from God's promise. And he's running away from what God has commanded and promised his family and blessed his family with. And he's in the middle of this desert, in misery, in the middle of the night, has his head on a stone, and he sees this image of angels going up and down a ladder, and he's got to think to himself, I'm a dead man. God has got to be completely disappointed in me. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever done some, something so wrong or something you're so ashamed of that you're like, I have no value whatsoever to the Lord? He's got to be completely disappointed in me. Y'all ever done that? I mean, if I'm am I the only one, because I'm, I have. God doesn't have anything for me. Shame sets in, stronghold set in. Now get what happens next. Let's keep reading. God speaks. He says, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Now stop here. I want to stop. Just take a moment. Let's, let's, not, let's not blow through these verses, but I want you to see what's happening here. In your copy of God's Word in your hand, and I hope you have one because it's not reflected on the screen very well, but notice what it says. It says, I am the Lord. That's the first thing God says. In your copy of God's Word in your Bible, I bet it, look down at it. I bet it says L-O-R-D, but it's all capitalized letters. Do you all see that? It should be. That's the right way to write it. For some reason it doesn't translate well on the screen. L-O-R-D. There's a reason for that when you come across it in Scripture because it means Yahweh, which is the personal name of God. And when God comes to one of his children, he says, I am the Lord. He is personal to his people. You follow that? This is not a God over there, God way over there, God absent from me. This is a personal God who interacts with you. That's a blessing, right? But not only that, he goes on to affirm that he's deity. He says, I'm the Lord, and I'm the God of your father Abraham, who is a sinner, and the God of Isaac, who is also a sinner. And this gives me great comfort. I have a God who is personal with me, and he is a friend of a sinner. Isn't that good? That's something you need to get fired up about, church, because here's the thing. You and I, we got issues we got strongholds. we got places in our life where we need forgiveness. But yet you have a God that created the universe that says, I am for you. And that's so good for Jacob at this moment. He's got to be utterly destroyed. And in this moment of absolute lying, treachery, consequential sin, and God comes to him and he says, Jacob, it's me. I'm the sovereign one of the universe. And I'm the God of your jacked up granddad and jacked up father. And I'm also here for you. Isn't that good? Now read a little further. Notice what happens next. I'm the Lord God, the God of your father, Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be a blessing through you and your offspring. Does that sound familiar, y'all? I just told you about the promise God made to his grandfather Abraham. He said... You will have as many descendants as there are as sand on the seashore, and all nations will be blessed through you. Even in his sin, God is affirming his promise. You see that? Here's what I want you to get at this point. Even in our sinful strongholds, God doesn't take away his promise. You see that? Even in your sin, even in my sin, even in our stronghold, God is not abandoning you. God is with you. And some of us are so ashamed. And, so, and Look, our church is for people that don't do church. Our church is for uh, about bringing truth and people together. Our church is about giving you a place where you can experience and encounter God at your own place. But I want you to hear me. Some of us in this room are so ashamed and so destroyed and so upset and so much in bondage because of our strongholds of our own making. And you need to know this truth about Scripture. The gospel comes to us and says, I have not left you, and I will not leave you, and I am for you. Isn't that good? That's our God. He's expressing this to Jacob in these moments. Now read a little further. Verse 15. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to the land, and I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. This is good. Now I want you to get what happens next. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it, and he was afraid. And he said this, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Now, there are three things that happened right here in these few verses, and I'm going to do them real quick, okay? You might want to jot these down. Because this is where God transitions us. He takes a stone and he turns it into an altar. You see that? Jacob pours oil on it, which means he's sanctifying it. He's making it holy. He's saying this is dedicated to the Lord. He makes it a pillar. So a stone becomes an altar. A place called Luz, which is a pagan city, becomes a place called Bethel, which means house of God. You see that? So a stone becomes an altar, a city becomes a shrine, and then an exile, Jacob, becomes a pilgrim. Because he promises him that he will bring him back to this place. When God begins to work in your life and you come to know Christ, he transitions your identity not as a sinner to a better sinner, but as a sinner to a saint. You follow that? This is big stuff for us this morning. Because some of us are trapped in sinful strongholds. Now, for those of you who know Jesus and you're trapped in a stronghold, there's some things we're going to work through in a moment. But for those of you who are wrestling with your faith and may not know if you know Christ or not, you need to understand in order for God to change you, you have to be re-identified. You have to have Christ in your life. You have to come to this place where you acknowledge, I need Jesus to forgive me and make me his. This is important for us to begin to maintain in these moments. But I want you to read a little further here because we're going to, you're going to see yourself in this next verse with Jacob in a powerful way. Now get this. Verse 28, chapter 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow. He's making a promise. But this is his promise. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I'm taking and will give me the food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I've set up will be a pillar for God's house, and all that you give me I will give you a tenth. So Jacob basically says this. God, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to make you a bargain here. If you do this, I'll do this. Now, I know no one in this room has ever done that before, right? No one's ever said, God, if you'll make this right, I'll follow you in this direction. I mean, think about this. God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll be at church every Sunday. Y'all done that, right? I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, we have any power to bargain with God, for real. He brought you in this world. He can take you out. He don't need you. But here's what's interesting. Jacob asked for three things. He says, I want you to protect me, I want you to provide for me, and I want you to fulfill that promise you promised to it me. It's kind of like us. God, if you do this, I'll do this. Now, here's what's so beautiful about the Lord here in these moments, is that he demonstrates grace to Jacob by not killing him and working with this immature believer. Now, there are many of us in this room, have been walking with Jesus for 20 years and you've grown in your faith. There's many of us in this room who've been walking with Jesus for 20 years and you're still drinking spiritual milk. I want you to feel the conviction that you need to grow in your faith, okay? If you know Christ, you need to grow. You're missing out big time and you're not following God's plan. The flip side of that, I also want you to know God hadn't left you there. He's going to continue to convict you and pull you forward and you're going to feel pretty miserable because you're not following God's pathway. But here's the thing, God hadn't left you in that. And so Jacob makes three commitments in this moment. I want you to go down to verse, let's see. Let's go down to verse 21. And I want you to read the very end of it. He says, so I'll return safely to my father's household. And then notice what he says. Then the Lord will be my God. The commitment that Jacob makes is basically he commits himself to God. That's the commitment that he makes. Now, interestingly enough here, Jacob commits himself to God. And this is not... The religion of his father's, this is a personal relationship with God. And here's the transition. And I really, you really gotta listen in on this, okay? Because many of us in this room grew up in a household who attended church, right? We were churchgoers. But as you get older and as you come to faith in your own belief of Christ, God can't be the God of your grandma, grandfather, mama, or daddy. He has to become your God. You get that? There has to be a transition here. And what we see in the life of, man, that makes you want to go to sleep right there, doesn't it, y'all? So here's the deal. Our coffee bar is now open. So if you can't hang, go in there and get some coffee. Here's the deal. <laughs> let's Just be honest. That's what we hear, right? Am I hearing rain or is that just me? It's Jesus. Now, here's the deal. Here's what's happening. here. Jacob makes a commitment to God, not his daddy's God, his God. Have you made that same commitment? Have you moved beyond what you grew up with and followed Jesus? Second thing, he makes a commitment to God's plan. He basically says, one day I'm going to come back and this stone, this pillar that I've said is going to be an altar. It's going to be the altar in the house of the Lord. I'm going to follow God's plan now, not my own plan. This is a huge step for Jacob because his whole life, it's all about me. It's all about what I can get. It's all about my deception and my lying and how I can be blessed and how I can have the birthright. But what Jacob says in these moments is, I'm going to commit myself to God's plan. Hear me on this. There is a process here. He realizes sin is a stronghold, like you and I do. And his first step is to say, I'm going to commit myself to the Lord. But his second step is, I'm going to commit myself to God's plan. Many people recognize sin and say, I want to commit myself to God and do nothing. You Get that? And the stronghold's still there. Jacob says, I'm going to commit myself to the Lord. I'm going to commit myself to God's plan. And finally, he says, I'm going to commit myself to God's ways. That's the next step. Read the very last part of that last verse, verse 22. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to commit a tenth of my entire wealth to the Lord. Basically saying, I'm going to tithe. And that's a huge deal for him. Because this guy was so self, so greedy, he didn't want anybody to have anything. But he comes to the Lord and says, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow his plan. I'm going to do what he says. Huge ramifications here. Big deal. But how does this translate to you and I in 2018 in the present stronghold of our own making that you're struggling with and what I'm struggling with? The question I want to ask at this moment is what calls to you? And what I mean by that is what is your Krispy Kreme hot donut sign? What is the thing that tempts you? You got that in your mind, right? All of us do. I mean, I don't know what yours is. I know what mine is. And there's several. There's several. But the next question is, is God's voice louder than that voice? You hear me on that? And then which voice are you choosing to follow? Many things call to us, and many of those things aren't of God. And we have to come to this position to where, like Jacob, we experience a transformation. We have said this every time. When it comes to our disposition, when it comes to our family of origin, and now as it comes to strongholds of our own making, The first step in getting out of those strongholds is repentance. Now, repentance means you're going in this direction and you recognize it's wrong and you turn around and go the other direction. And I would be willing to bet most of us in this room would agree with that. If we're going in the wrong direction, we need to turn around. Agreed? But here's where many Christians stop. We turn around and say, yeah, that's wrong, but that's all we do. We don't take any other steps. We don't do anything else, and what happens is you may have turned around, but you're still standing still, and that stronghold is still very much a part of your life. Y'all with me on that? How many times have you made a commitment to the Lord to say, I want to get rid of the stronghold and do nothing, and you're still committed to that stronghold? Y'all been there? How many times in our lives have we gone to church and had a radical spiritual experience, and the Lord really moved in our lives during that experience, and you leave there going, I'm going to change and do nothing, and you don't change, right? Been there? how do we overcome these things, these strongholds of our own making? What are the steps, if I could just put it plainly? Let's do the first step here. Our first step in repentance as we deal with overcoming these strongholds, as it begins with repentance, we have to affirm God's place in our life. We have to affirm God's place in our life. And what I mean by that is go back to Jacob. He makes a vow to the Lord, and he says, the Lord will be my God. And we have to come to God and say, the Lord, meaning you, Jesus, will be my God. The problem is most of us in this room, all of us in this room, take God off the throne of our lives many times and put what makes us happy on that throne, put what we struggle with on that throne, puts an individual on that throne, and it's not God. Y'all with me on that? That's called idolatry, okay? But here's the deal. When you want to get out of a stronghold of your own making, your first step of repentance is to affirm that God is on that throne, that Christ is on that throne, and nothing else. The affirmation of saying, I want, to, want, God, I want God to be in charge, not anything else, begins to change our lives. Y'all with me on y'all, fo- about, y'all follow me on this, right? It has to be the Lord. So it's that first step of affirmation, God, you're God. And I want you on the throne of my life in every way. I don't want my background. I don't want my family. I don't want my disposition. I don't want my inclinations. I don't want anything else. I want you. Because here's the deal. And here, Let me get real, all right? Here's the deal. When God is on the throne, we're recognizing that our joy in Him is greater than the momentary or circumstantial joy of the things that not of Him. You follow that? This is big. When we affirm God, we're saying and we're recognizing and we're realizing that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that is our fulfillment, not this other stuff. You have been down and I have been down many roads that create strongholds in our life and at the very end of those roads, there are dead end places of despair, discouragement and disappointment, right? But God is not. Repentance. Affirm God, and then affirm God's plan and purpose for your life. See, that's the second step. You cut this place, I believe in God and I want him to be on the throne, but here's the deal. Some of us are following our plans, not God's plans. You're never going to be free from that stronghold by doing that. It's stepping out and saying, Lord, show me what you want me to do, then you get wise counsel from other Christians, and I want to follow the plan you have for me, not the plan that I build for myself. So what is God's plan? That's where you find your fulfillment. That's where you find your joy. It may look radically different, but you have to come to this place I'm going to have an affirmation of God's plan. And then finally, it's the affirmation of God's ways. It's the affirmation of God's ways. You see, that next step is saying, all right, I'm going to affirm that God is in control and I want him to be. I'm going to affirm that I want to follow God's pathway for me, and then I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. Listen, you're not going to be delivered from a stronghold if you continue to do what you want to do. Can I say that? Can I say that again? You're not going to be, when you're in a position to where you know that there is sin, you're not going to be delivered from the stronghold by continuing to do that sin. Following God's ways, following God's plan, and affirming that God is over all this, it changes everything. All wrapped up in the fact, and we've shown this over and over again in this text, that God continues to demonstrate grace to Jacob, even in the midst of his sinfulness. And Christ continues to demonstrate and offer grace to you and me, even in the midst of our sinfulness. You follow that? But repentance, if you want out of your stronghold of your own making, you've got to choose to get away from it by affirming God, affirming his plan, and affirming his ways, and doing it. It's an identity change altogether. It changes everything. Katie Stubblefield was about 15 or 16 years old, and her family moved her from really a metro area in Florida to the rural areas of Oxford, Mississippi. And 15, 16 years old is a difficult time to change and a difficult time to leave what you're used to, right? Some of you have gone through that before. Some of you have dealt with it before. I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you. This is going to be a difficult story for some of you to hear, but it's so important that you get the message behind what happened in this young lady's life and what's happening in this young lady's life and what we're talking about in Scripture. So hang on with me. Katie Goo goes to this new hometown, and in a way to fit in, she decides to go into what they call the wrong crowd, right? Some of us in this room have been that wrong crowd before. Thank God for his deliverance. Agree? She gets involved in the wrong crowd, makes wrong choices, gets involved with the wrong person, Her family's dealing with struggles. Her dad is in the ministry, and he's dealing with struggles. Her mom gets fired from her job, and it's just a spiral of depression for her. And she begins to really, even almost to the point of getting kicked out of school. Finally, she finds out that the boy that she's dating, whom she wants to marry and has given herself to him completely, has been cheating on her the whole time, and she just loses it at 18 years old. She goes to her brother's house crying, upset, screaming, spiraling into a depression. Her brother tries to comfort her and for the moment has to step outside, and then he hears a gunshot from within the house. Katie tries to take her own life. problem is she didn't die. But this is where it gets gruesome. It did take her face completely off. Her identity and what she looked like in a split second was gone. Now, the human being is one of four animals that recognize faces. There are certain breeds of dolphin certain breeds of magpies, and certain breeds of elephants. And they can recognize faces, and we do too. More importantly for us, this face, your face, is your identification, right? Now, you may look in the mirror like me every morning and jump because you're startled. But the reality is, when people see you, that's your calling card, right? That's who you are. And in that moment for Katie, who she was, completely gone completely distorted now what you got to understand about strongholds of our own making is that sin distorts who you are Do you get that it distorts and changes your identity into what God initially had for you is it through our sin through these strongholds we lose sight of what God has for us. And we have an identity that's no longer his child, but a sinner. For Katie, physically speaking, it was a reality. Now, the positive thing is she survives. And for the next three years, she goes through surgeries, rehab, physical therapy. God begins to do a movement in her life. Her family surrounds her and loves her through this. And this past year, she became the youngest face transplant recipient in the history of the world. I didn't even know this existed. But for 33 hours, a donor provided a face for her. And for 33 hours, they reattached everything. To where Katie went in with no identity or distorted identity, she came out of surgery with something completely new. Her identity was changed. Her life has been given back to her. Her mom said in a conversation with Katie, well, I I don't know how this can be used or I guess this is how my story ends. And her mom looked at her and said, baby, your story's just started because your identity, your life has been given back to you. I tell you that story because I want you to understand something. And that's just a physical representation of what Christ does. Is that even though our sin distorts us, and places us in strongholds and takes away God's image when Christ comes into our life the bible says we are a new creation you are not your stronghold you hear me you are not your sin when jesus is in you you are his child and as a christian you don't have to live there you don't have to exist in that stronghold you can break free free But the choice is yours. You can live in a stronghold for the rest of your life because you just won't deal with it. Or you can choose to experience the freedom that Christ offers. But that's up to us, isn't it? So do you want to be set free? Do you want God to change you and deliver you out of this place of just complete, complete depravity? It begins with Jesus. Jesus. Acknowledging Him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never done that on the Connect card you were given, there are two boxes on it that say, "This morning I need Jesus," and "This morning I need to be baptized." You can also text the word "respond" to the number on the screen, or I'll be off to my right in just a few moments. I'll be happy to pray with you, and I want you to know what it means to have a new identity. But more than that, for those of you who know Christ and you're in a stronghold, let's begin to take let's begin to take those steps of repentance. Y'all with me? What do you need to do? And then how are you going to do it? You may need to check a box on the connect card that says, I need a phone call from the pastor, and we can start dialoguing with you. Maybe you need to text the word respond, and maybe a conversation needs to start there. Or maybe I'll be over here to my right. You need to pray with somebody, and I'll be happy to pray with you. But let's begin to experience the freedom has, God has for us. Affirm God is on the throne. Affirm that he has a plan for you, and affirm his ways. Y'all with me, church? Let's pray. God, change us in these moments overwhelm us in these moments, and give us truth. And this is a hard message to deal with, but it's such a reality, Lord. We, we, we can we can deal with the stronghold of our personality flaws. We can deal with the strongholds of, of our family, but, Lord, we're dealing with strongholds now that are because we put ourselves there. And, Lord, this is not cool. But, Lord, I know that Jesus died and has risen from the dead to deliver us from that stronghold. So I pray in these moments you'd work within the Christian to bring them to a place of repentance and growth and work within the non-believer to bring them to a position of, 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 of gospel truth and salvation. Change us in these moments. Overwhelm us in these moments. Guide us in these moments. And help us experience more and more of you so that we don't have to sit in this stronghold anymore. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the grace we can have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.